high school sports day warm-ups, two laps of the oval and some stretching. Gym workouts, warm-up and cool-down stretches. Jogging, quads, hammies, calves, glutes. Stretching has been seen as an essential part of exercise regimes for years. Is it, though? If we don't do it, will our muscles snap like degraded rubber bands? This discussion might raise a few eyebrows, I think. Tony Blazevich is a Professor of Exercise and Health Sciences at Edith Cowan University in Western Australia, and he specialises in biomechanics, which includes researching the benefits of stretching. Tony, great to chat to you again. Good to be with you again, Hilary. When did humans decide that stretching was a good idea before they tested their muscles? How far back do we go? Well, it's hard to know. Obviously, we've got written records for a few thousand years that suggest that athletes or even gladiators in war were doing lots of exercise preparation before fighting or before competing. That that seemed to include stretching. I, I guess in the modern world, it probably became really big around the time of the Second World War because after that Second World War, you had particularly in North America and in other nations this idea that we, we'd better ready ourselves against war and we better have these young men fit and ready to go because the best the fittest soldiers are going to be the best. And again, that's that comes back from the Roman times when they had professional soldiers that were really, really well um, developed for, for war. So since that Second World War, it's really been put into our PE programs. That leaked into our sport. And, and of course, we all have thought for quite a few decades that stretching is the way to go. Well, yeah. How much evidence was there in the early 20th century that it did what we thought it did, which was reduce injury and, and help our performance? Not a lot. <laughs> I mean, actually, there, there were a few animal studies, you know, where you, you warm up an animal muscle and you stretch it and you see when it gets injured. And it turns out that if you've stretched it a few times first or you've warmed it up, it didn't get injured as much. But actually, in humans, if you look at the evidence and say, well, if we're stretching in our warm ups, you know, does that then seem to prevent injury? The, the evidence is not quite as clear as that. And that's partly because it's really hard to do these studies. You need massive numbers of people because we don't get that injured all the time. And and second of all, you need everything else in their program to be held constant. And that's nearly impossible. So unfortunately, there are a few studies, but they're not perfectly done. And they probably show there's a small to moderate benefit under specific situations, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. Well, yes. First, though, I want to look at the difference between the kinds of stretching that people have tried at various points in the past. Those World War II soldiers were doing dynamic stretching, weren't they? Tell us a bit about that and how it differs from what came after. Yeah, that's right. I mean, particularly through the war in warm-up and then after the war, a Canadian uh, soldier or general was very well known for trying to get these exercise programs into schools and into PE programs, and particularly in the North Americas and the USA, that you, you, you started to do these dynamic stretches. So imagine like reaching for the sky and then letting yourself flop down and bounce, touching your hands on the ground like a toe touch with straight knee, and then having to bounce up or swinging arms all about yourself. So we've got these really dynamic, large range of motion movements, and they were there to help stretch you and, and warm up the muscles. Um, Actually, it turns out uh, a few clinicians who were working at the time were saying, hey, I think we're getting quite a few injuries just from doing the dynamic warm-up, even though it's meant to reduce injury, which is not an ideal. Don't get me wrong, there isn't massive epidemiological data about it, but when you've got you know, clinical experts saying this could be problematic, people had to start re-looking at it. Yeah, well, and so they, they then went to a, a different kind of stretching, didn't they? A more static type of stretching. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, one of the problems with a dynamic stretch, you imagine rapidly stretching anything. I mean, if you go over on your ankle, you know, if you're about to roll your ankle, you might notice a little reflex kicks in and it helps set your ankle back up so you don't go over on it. That's called the stretch 
reflex and lots of our muscles have this stretch reflex so you can imagine doing these dynamic large range of motion stretches the stretch reflex is then trying to shorten the muscle that you're trying to stretch and surely it makes sense that that would injure it right and then if you compare just gently stretching a muscle right to its end range of motion and holding it there and then i measure your maximum range of motion after it it improves quite a lot we get flexible immediately whereas these dynamic stretches don't seem to do that so that kind of evidence indicated that static or passive type stretching would surely be better than dynamic and from about the 60s or so and certainly through the 70s we start to see this emergence of static stretching so now we say well static stretching won't warm the muscles up a bit which is important but it's got to be better than the dynamic. So that's when you start to get these warm-ups where you do a sort of a low-intensity jog, like you said, run around the school oval. Then you do your static stretching after that. And then, to be honest, if, you, if you're going to do the warm-up properly, you then practice your actual sporting skill and in a more specific environment. And that's sort of the origins of this um, I, I guess what most of us are taught to do today. Well, yeah, instead of, you know, flopping over and uh, touching your toes and bouncing, you you flop over and touch your toes and, and hold and try and increase that, don't you? Is there yeah. evidence that that is actually good for you? Uh, well, it depends who you talk to. There are a lot of people out there who are dead against the idea. They will argue that the research says that there are two main problems. One is it doesn't seem to be reducing injury risk, so why would you do it? And the second thing is that it may even harm your performance. It may be negative for you. Um, then there's the other side of the story that says, well, actually, you've got to look at how the studies are designed. And what we sometimes do with science is that we over-conclude. And I, I guess I'm in that camp because I've been studying this for a few decades. And what I can probably, if I try to summarize it from an injury perspective, again, I'll go back to uh, you know quite a number of studies that aren't necessarily perfectly done but they majoritively show that you have a small to moderate injury prevention benefit in running-based sports at least, and usually for sort of muscle, muscle tendon, maybe some ligament injuries, these soft tissue injuries. So if you're trying to prevent your hamstring strain or a groin strain, there looks like there is a small benefit to doing some of these static stretches as part of your warm-up. Now, as far as oh, sorry, go. Well, I'm just going to jump in there. Well, yeah, I wanted to remind people that we're speaking with Tony Blazevich, who's a professor of exercise and health sciences at Edith Cowan University in Western Australia, specialising in biomechanics. Because this is a lot of this is really interesting and new to me that that there might be some uh, controversy over which kinds of stretching are good for you and in what circumstances. And you mentioned a bit earlier, Tony, that there was a specific instance where we do know for sure, I think, that there's a benefit. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I mean, it does seem to be that if you're doing running-based sports, and of course, soccer is the, the most popular sport on earth. So we're talking about the majority of sports. It can be basketball, netball, Australian rules, American football. In these sorts of sports, the studies that are done in these sports where they grab you know hundreds or even a few thousand people and they follow them through a season and they look at who stretches, who doesn't stretches, or maybe even they try and impose that onto the, the athletes. What you tend to find is that those who are doing this stretching in their warm-up, uh, getting some sort of prevention or injury prevention benefit in mostly in muscle injuries so hamstring strains groin strains things like that and some of these studies might show it for tendon strains or even ligament stuff like you know going over a new ankle for example so there does seem to be a small to moderate benefit so if you like static stretching and you're doing these running based sports or if you've been sitting all day in the office and then you have to go and play your mixed netball or basketball game and you feel like you need to stretch and you think that's going to help you prevent injury you might be right to a small degree what what it doesn't seem to do though is just prevent 
every injury under the sun. So when we look at the global data and say, does stretching reduce all-cause injury risk? The answer is no. It's, it's really quite specific under these conditions. So uh, that's really fascinating. If you're doing a running-based sport, yep, it's probably going to help you. What about if you're doing something like the hammer throw or swimming? Surely those are pretty intense uses of the muscles. Do, do we know how stretching might help them? Well, they are intense users, aren't they? And and there's very few data collected in specific sports like that. As far as swimming, a lot of swimmers like to have a stretch because stroke length is so important and they feel like if they do some stretching as part of their warm-up, their stroke is easier. And if you feel that that's the case, then you should definitely be doing some stretching. I think we'll talk a minute about not stretching for too long for certain reasons, right? But at the moment, the evidence is you should be able to stretch. It shouldn't be a problem. But in sports like, say, hammer throw or swimming, we haven't got a lot of evidence that it's reducing injuries. And and just remember, and this is probably the case in swimming, if you're hyper-flexible, if you're already extremely flexible, that can actually increase injury risks. So in very flexible individuals, and that can involve the swimmer's shoulders, we don't necessarily do huge amounts of swimming in some swimmers. Interesting text message, Tony. From my experience, people doing stretching is just a way to psych themselves up before a performance. In fact, I've seen more people injured doing their stretching than they have doing the performance, says one text message. What do we know about that uh, psychological impact of stretching? Well, that's a really good question. And actually, the, the answer, I just want to go through two things really, really quickly. The first one is that it doesn't psych you up. It turns out that when we're stretching, it's calming us down. You've probably heard of the fight or flight response. This is that sympathetic drive, that stress drive that we need when we're about to compete or run or, or lift heavy weights or if we get scared. And that's actually sometimes bad for us too. You might know that uh, excessive or prolonged stress is associated with some poor health outcomes, cardiovascular disease and other things. turns out that when we hold our stretches and do these passive static stretches, we reduce that sympathetic drive. We, we dampen that fight or flight response. And that uh, seems to have effects on everything from our uh, calmness and anxiety levels to even our arterial health and the way our arteries behave. So it seems like the stretching can be really beneficial for both mental and physical health, but it's doing it because it's calming us down, not psyching us up. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Tell us how long we should stretch for, because that sounds like a, a key part of this whole equation. Yeah, it is. And and most of us, of course, don't stretch for very long in warmer. And it turns out that that's a good thing. It, we don't necessarily think that the, um, the amount of extra flexibility you gain is the key. We just think that if we're preventing injuries, it's got something to do with the fact that we're stretching out these connective tissues first, or it's got something to do with training our brain to know where we are in space and that it's okay to move through these large ranges of motion. So then we tend to move better. And it could be that that's what causes this slight reduction in injury. It turns out that if you then stretch for too long, like if you're about to go to the gym and lift some weights and then you stretch a muscle, each muscle for more than about one minute each, we start to see a force or a strength performance reduction. So you actually get worse. So the last thing you want to do is do too much stretching in your warm-up. And again, that comes down to this sympathetic drive, this fight or flight response. You're switching it off and actually that's really good for performance. So what we would argue now is that if you're going to do the static stretching, which 
does have a psychological benefit. We do feel more prepared for our exercise, and we've done randomized control trials on that one. So we know that we feel better if we do some form of stretching in our warm-up, and we're more likely to want to perform. But we've got to make sure we don't stretch for too long. We make sure that those stretches are you know, held for 15 seconds each or something like that, and we don't have to do a huge amount of stretching if we want the benefit. That's quite different to a few yoga and Pilates approaches, isn't it? It is. Well, the thing about yoga and Pilates is we're not necessarily using that to prepare for immediate exercise. I mean, if you're about to go out and play a basketball game or Aussie rules, the last thing you want to do is do a yoga session immediately before it. What the yoga and the Pilates is doing are two things. One is it's trying to retrain where our body is in space, so our body control. So you stretch it through large range of motion. The muscles are usually active as we do so, more than the passive stretching. And that seems to give us a whole bunch of benefits to the nervous system to to sort of rewire ourselves in some way. And the second benefit is it's calming. It's actually probably delivering these health benefits. We know that just the static stretching alone is as good as restorative yoga for minimizing anxiety levels and everything else. And so we think that those sorts of things are really good for your long-term health for those reasons rather than as an athletic warm-up, I guess. Well, and just very quickly before we finish up, Tony, what about stretching after exercise? A few people are asking on the text messages. Does that help reduce soreness and heal the muscles? It doesn't seem to, no. Uh, So we stretch after exercise because when the muscles are a bit warm, uh, we think that we're getting a slightly better stretch to improve long-term range of motion. It's also really good after a competitive game because, again, it has that calming effect. So you imagine sitting around with your teammates having a stretch. You actually feel good and calm down quicker. But it doesn't mean that you're not going to get sore. To the best of our understanding so far, the stretching doesn't really help to prevent that. The best way to prevent that is to have been doing what you're doing more regularly so you get that protection from the soreness. What a fascinating discussion. I feel like there'll be some yeah, some surprise happening out there in listener land. Tony, thanks so much for joining us to talk about stretching today. My pleasure, Hilary, and enjoy your stretching when you when you get off today. Oh, yeah, yoga all the way for me. But short, <laughs> well short poses now. Tony Blazovich is a professor of exercise and health sciences at Edith Cowan University in Western Australia. He specialises in biomechanics. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.